as we so often do in church and in church family and church body, we're transitioning from something sad to something joyous. Okay, and and we have we run the whole gambit of emotions here, don't we? Uh, we, we come in and we serve God and, and he deals with every circumstance of our situation when we're in sorrow and when we're in joy. This morning, I want to talk about something uh, that is extremely special to the Lord. And that thing is adoption. How many people in this place today, upstairs or downstairs, have had your life affected by adoption? Either you were adopted, you adopted somebody, or you have an adopted member of your family. Quite a, quite a few. Quite a few of you. So uh, adoption is something that's near and dear and special to the heart of God. Uh, there's a, quite a few times in Scripture that we see adoption. Uh, the most prominent time, which is the time that I'm most thankful for, is, is Romans 8.15. Uh, that talks about that God has given us a spirit of adoption. By which we cry, Abba, Father. And what that means is by which we call God, Daddy. Right? That he has become our Father. Uh, Unless you are 100% Jewish uh, sitting in this room, you have been adopted. Uh, If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've been adopted into the family of God. So we have all experienced adoption in one way or another. Amen? Uh, James 127 says this though. In James 1.27, it says, uh, pure and undefiled religion, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God our Father is to care for the orphans and the widows in their distress. I, I look around this room and I see several families that I know who have, who have reached out and adopted kids and, and taken in kids. Uh, but this morning particularly, I want to bring attention to Craig and Abigail Jones. And I think I have a slide up there. Thank you, guys. Craig and Abigail Jones and Riley, their son, are a family in our church. And they are just starting the process of adopting three kids. Three kids. Three siblings. Amen. We want to be a church family that celebrates these things. That we celebrate when we get it right. (laughs) Amen. That we celebrate when we do the work of God. And in this case, Craig and Abby have stepped out. Can I tell you, they have stepped out uh, to adopt three kids. They're they're going from one one child. He's not really a child anymore. He's he's a man child. He's he's a big guy. Uh, They're going from one in the house to four in the house. Right? I remember Jess and I transitioning from two babies to three, and we thought we thought we was going to die. You know, that, that was tough, right? But they are transitioning from one to four. So they are uh, in the process of gaining access to and adopting Zach, Zariah, and Zayden. They are nine, six, and two. And uh, coming from Michigan uh, to join our church family and to join the Jones family uh, here in Florida. So you will meet Zach, Zariah, and Zayden uh, sometime in the next few weeks. Uh, as you notice, they, all their names start with Z's. Uh, so their, their adoption tagline is, we're catching some Z's. We're catching some Z's. Um, so Zach, Zariah, and Zayden, their, their father passed away this past Christmas. And their mother is not in a position uh, to care for them 
and uh, their grandmother has been caring for them but cannot continue to do so. And through a, a mutual friend, Craig and Avi have reached out to be the adoptive parents of these three young kids. And we're, we're so grateful. Would you guys stand? I know not everybody can see them. Go ahead, stand, Riley. You're a part of this, man. <laughs> so, how many of you uh, understand that we're a church family and you know that you and your heart want to help out? So I, I told Craig and Abigail, this is what we're going to do. Um, we're going to do a gift card drive for them. So over the next several weeks, we're going to have a basket on that back right table. And we'll have a picture of the kids with a sign in front of it. And I, this is how I want you to do it. I, I don't want you to just grab a gift card and throw it in. What I would love for you to do is either pick up a card or just type out a letter and type out a prayer for the Jones family. So write out a prayer, write, type out a letter, type some words of encouragement. If the Lord gives you a verse to share with them, share a verse with them. And then just put a, a gift card in there if you're able and drop it in that basket in the back. If you don't have time to do all of that and you just want to use one of the envelopes in the pew and designate some of your giving uh, to the Jones family, then we will make sure we pick up the gift cards and bless them with it, okay? Uh, so these are some of the, some of the places that uh, the main thing that they need is these kids need some clothes. They need some clothes. Everything else, they almost everything else they've got covered, uh, but they need clothes. Uh, so the best places to get gift cards from are Carter's, Old Navy, TJ Maxx, and Target. So if you guys could, could focus on that as a church family, uh, that would be awesome. And we'll bless this family as they move forward. Before I preach this morning, uh, one of the particular families that I've been talking about that I look out and I see who, have, who their whole lives have been impacted uh, by adoption is Travis and Crystal Evans. And I want to invite them up just to speak about their experience uh, for just a couple of moments. One up, guys. Good morning, Redemption Point. Good morning. I'm Travis Evans. This is my wife, Crystal Evans. And uh, first and foremost, Pastor Steve, Pastor Jessica, I want to say thank you guys for giving us a platform and opportunity to share ad about adoption. Adoption is very near and dear to our hearts and our journey. Um, most of our lives, our, our married life, has, we've been going through adoption. Um, there's several decisions I've made in my life that have impacted me in multiple ways. One is my relationship with my Savior Jesus Christ, my best decision I've ever made. Second is marrying my wife. And the third decision I made was adopting some children. And each decision it hasn't been easy. You know, there is difficulties. Um, you know, the, with your walk with Christ, there's many trials and tribulations that you're going to face. Uh, marriage, you know, has its ups and downs, right? Or is it only just mine? Okay, just want to make sure. And then, of course, the, the adoption, you know, um, it, it's different. You're, you're bringing children into a family. Um, our situation is going to be, or our situation is similar to the Joneses' situation. We had one child, and we went to three children over a course of many years. But the greatest thing that I, when I look at adoption, is we're getting the opportunity to provide children 
with love, just like our Savior provides us with, right? An opportunity that they may never have gotten, but we get to step in and fill that gap and and show them the love of of family and the love of Christ. So um, our adoption journey started. um, We we got married in 2007, and we have our one son, Caden, and then What's that? Yeah, we have a picture. If you could put that up for us. Thank you, Alex. So we have our, our, our son, Caden. And for many years, he always wanted siblings. You know, he was bored, always was bored, and wanted someone to, to hang out with. And that's just his personality. So we discussed the idea of adoption, but never really put forth the effort to get more information about it. But it was a seed that was planted in us. And, and God's seen that seed, and he used that as an opportunity. So I, I, a few years later... Um, in 2012, we built a home. And during the, our home building process, we prayed and fasted. And we said, God, if, if you help us, you know, um, get the home that we want and get the rooms that we want, we're going to use it to fill it with your love. Little did we know that that seed that was planted about adoption came back. Came back in 2013. We got a phone call. And a phone call, um, uh, we got an opportunity. Uh, we heard about two young girls that, that were in a situation and they needed uh, a family to step in. So uh, my wife called me. She was at work, and, and I had about five minutes, five minutes to make the decision. But I got to say, it was the best five-minute decision that I ever made. So um, we, they came into our home in 2013. Uh, two years later, in 2015, we finalized adoption of our two daughters, Isabella and Chloe. And then going through that adoption process, we, we thought that there was more that we could do. And you might think, more that you can do? You, you just adopted two kids. But we realized that there's still kids out there that need families. So we pursued a couple other options, but nothing really, you know, um, opened up. We didn't have peace. Thank you, babe. We didn't have peace. And then um, 2016, we got a phone call that their sibling brother, Xander, which is the the little guy up there, that he was born and um, he was brought into DCF custody and he needed a home. So the reason maybe we didn't, or not the reason maybe, the reason we didn't have peace is because God had other things planned and God wanted to, to reunite his brother with his sister. So we had ended up finalizing his adoption three years later in 2019. So we completed the adoption and we adopted all three siblings, two sisters and a brother. But yes, go ahead. But like I said, uh, it's... It, isn't an easy decision because if adoption was easy, then there would be no kids that needed families, right? But through the, our walk, the biggest thing that, that we needed was support, support through friends, support through family, and support through church. So my wife wants to speak a little bit about the support. Sorry, hold on a second. So Steve actually spoke a lot about what we wanted to say with scripture and different things, and the Bible tells us to care for the orphans and widows. And when you take in children that are not biologically yours, most, you know, that come through DCF or that are non-relative placement, um, they've all been through a trauma. The trauma of losing the family they've only known, whether it was good or bad, healthy or not, that's a trauma. The trauma of physical abuse sometimes, sexual abuse, um, they were born positive to drugs. There's so many scenarios that go into it. So when you're taking in children that are not biologically yours, that have been through trauma, we as a body of Christ, it is our job to support those families because they're going to be walking through things they never thought they were going to have to walk through. They might look okay on the outside. They might look like they have it all together, but I can promise you we do not. (laughs) We need help. You know, people that are raising teenagers need help. But when you're raising these kids, 
they come with a lot of baggage and that's okay, but it's our job to love them and to help them get through it. But it's also the church's job, I believe, to help support them. If that's offering babysitting, cooking them dinner. Um, I promise you, it's hard to find babysitters for kids that have been through trauma. It's not easy. Uh, You feel very alone. You feel very secluded. You choose not to do certain events because of behaviors. But if I can just encourage you, if we see behaviors, if we see things, let's not frown. Let's not judge. Let's not say, this is what I would do with my kids. Let's offer a helping hand. Let's offer prayer. Let's offer support. You know, let's be there to love them and to walk alongside them and to ask what they need. And even if they seem like they don't need anything, we can still pray. And having Caden being the only child for so many years and then having siblings, we need to pray for Riley because this is new for Riley too. And it's okay. And he's going to love them, but it's a lot. So we need to pray for Craig and Avi. We need to pray for Riley. We need to pray for these babies that are coming into their home. We need to pray for their hearts. We need to pray for peace. We need to pray for the right resources to come along. We need to pray for the right people to walk alongside of them. It is just imperative that we do not look the other way, that we pray and ask God how we can specifically support them as a church family. And not just them, but anybody who's raising children that you did not give birth to, anybody who's in the foster system, anybody who's fostering or adopting, we as a body of Christ have got to come alongside of them and uplift them when they're down. And I just want to ask, I know Steve asked if you could raise your hand, but if you've been adopted or you've uh, adopted someone, fostered, or it's impacted your family in any way, just go ahead and stand up, please. Let's give them a hand. Yes. Chloe, you've been adopted. (laughs) Yes. My daughter forgot she was adopted. So I just want take this time, Craig, Abigail, um, we've known you guys. You guys have walked through what we've had to walk through with adoption. And I want you to know that we are here for you guys, me and my family, any way that we can. I want you to know that your pastors are here for you. Your church is here for you. If there's anything that you need, we love you guys. We're proud of you guys. And, and I just want to share one thing. Um, during our process, I know we've talked about some difficulties because it's not easy. But we got to hold on to the hand of God and our kids got to see miracles happen through our adoption and it was amazing. So our last adoption with Xander was was probably one of the the most difficult. But there was a song that we held on to which was I'm going to see a victory. And I tell you today I was sitting there in the pew and I was worshiping to a song that I was holding on to knowing that in a few minutes I'm going to get the opportunity to come up here and encourage a body of Christ that that God is going to walk you through it. So and not only do you have all of us, but God's going to hold your hand and going to walk you and your family through because he sees your good works. Love you guys. Thank you, guys. God is good. Amen. You know, um, Jess and I, when, when we first got called to come to Redemption Point, one of the things that we thought that we wanted to do was make sure 
that in our outreach and in our ministry that we look for and fill a need in the community that no other church is meeting, right? Or fill a need in the community that nobody else is doing. People have asked, you know, why don't we give out food and why don't we do a food bank? Man, there's awesome churches already doing a ton of that. Right? There's churches already meeting that need and already doing that in the community. And Why don't we do this or why don't we do that? Churches are doing that. But I'm increasingly seeing as we've prayed to God, like, God, give us a direction of what culture we want to create here at Redemption Point. Uh, that I really think that that culture is going to be about fostering an adoption. And as we've already started that, because in our first couple of Christmases here, we've made sure and take care of foster kids or, or orphaned kids and kids who are in need at Christmas time. We've already started doing that. So I, I see God moving us in that way. So would you, as the church body and the church family, help Jessica and I pray for continued direction on how we can help uh, orphaned or fostered kids, kids that are in need. Amen. Would you, would you help, help us pray for that? Thank you so much, guys. Uh, I don't know if you could tell, but uh, Travis has been a pastor. And he's, a, he's been a, a children's pastor for a number of years. And uh, when he started talking, uh, I, I thought maybe I wasn't going to get to preach today. Because I'm like, man, you know, I may have just uh, have asked him to preach because he's he just anointing just started flowing off of him when he when he opened up his mouth. And uh, but I'm grateful for this couple. I look out at Brian Norman and three of his seven kids, three of his seven kids who are all adults now, uh, three of his kids he adopted from Honduras. Correct. And I, I look over and I see Heather and Caden. She adopted as a baby and has, has been raising him up. Um, I look back at Les Cook and Les and his wife, Joan, their, their young adult daughter, they adopted as a baby in, was it, it was Vietnam? In Vietnam? Uh, so uh, there's, there's lots of kids uh, that could use our help. And if, if nothing else, our prayers, our support, and, uh, and monetarily. So, so as we move forward, as God moves us forward in this, uh, we'll talk more about it and see what we can do as a church body uh, to, to help improve our community in that way. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to move into the last part of our series, and this is part nine, which is living an empowered life. Uh, we've been moving through Acts all the way uh, for, for uh, almost 10 weeks now. We've been spending in Acts, and, and as I sat down to get prepared for this week, uh, I was praying, Lord, how, how long do you want us to stay in Acts? I began to read, and coming off last week, we were around chapter 17, and today we're going to be in Acts chapter 28. So we are at the end of Acts. Um, everything that's happened between 17 and 28 is everything we've kind of already been talking about. So it's all about Paul and what Paul has struggled with and what Paul has been through and Paul getting arrested and going to prison. I mean, you know, Paul put up with some stuff for the gospel. Amen. Last week we talked about walking wounded and how, how that impacts our life. And we talked about Paul and how, man, he walked wounded his entire ministry. His entire ministry, he was continually getting wounded and he continued to walk it out. So this week we're going to dive into Acts chapter 28. We're going to start reading in verses 1 through 10. So if you would just follow along with me, if you don't have it uh, in your hand, you can look up at the screen. It'll be right up there. Uh, once we were safe on 
on shore. So let me give you just a little bit in case some of you are new to the Bible or, or new to this story. Let me give you just a little bit of background. Paul has been in prison for a while now. He's been arrested. He's been arguing his case. Uh, they have arrested him, did not want him preaching the gospel. They wanted to shut him down. But he is a Roman citizen. So Paul was one of the, the only apostles who had dual citizenship. He was a citizen of Rome and he was also a, a citizen of Israel. So he had dual citizenship. Because he was a Roman citizen, they allowed him to continue to plead his case and have a defense. So Paul kept defending himself in court but how many of you know every time he got into court to defend himself all Paul did was preach the gospel so so every time a judge had to hear Paul they had to hear Paul preach the gospel every time magistrates and and jailers uh, got to talk to Paul they heard about Jesus right because that's what Paul did so finally Paul uh, gets to the end of what he can do where he's at in prison and he decides as a Roman citizen he's going to take uh, his his uh, rightful place and, and go to Rome and appeal before Caesar. Because he's a Roman citizen, he can do that. So Paul finds himself on a prison ship, right, with a bunch of prisoners being transported from, from where they're at to Rome. And in that transport time, he runs into a hurricane. How many of you are like, really? Like, like uh, seriously? Like he's already been through all this stuff and all of a sudden now he, he runs into a hurricane? So they, they run into a, a hurricane, which is called a Eurachlodon uh, in the Bible. But they run into that and the ship gets beaten up. And the ship gets beaten apart. And they find themselves in a ship that's getting thrown against the rocks. And the ship just gets broke apart. And they're shipwrecked in that moment. And they, they make it to the next closest island. And this is where we pick up. So once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. Say Malta. Say Malta milk balls. I think that's where they came from. The, the people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, tch, 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 a murderer, no doubt. A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice still will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. How many of, of y'all got people in your life that are waiting on you to swell up and drop dead? Right? You got some people who maybe aren't your fans. If you got some haters, right? You understand, right? You got some people in your life that are just watching you. They just know you're guilty of something. And they're waiting for you to swell up and drop dead. And that's what these islanders were doing to Paul. They watched him get bit. Watched him shake it off. And they, no matter what they were doing, they were going about their business. But they had one eye on Paul the whole time. They were waiting to see uh, what would happen to him. So the people waited uh, for him. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he was not harmed, they changed their minds and decided that he was a god. Uh, look at your neighbor and say, people are fickle. They went from deciding he was a murderer, okay, well, he must be a god, right? People are fickle. People will change their mind about you in a minute, 
right? They will, they will watch you and change their mind about you in a minute. So near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius. Uh, any of you pregnant moms looking for a name for your baby? There's one right there. Publius. So Publius was the chief official of the island. Speaking of pregnant moms, I want you to know we have a mother's room uh, that is in the process. It's in this south hallway in room 10. Uh, it has some comfortable furniture in there for you and a TV with the service on. So if anybody needs just a moment or a private space to get away and you want to, to feed them babies or do whatever you need to do, that space is made specifically for you. Uh, next week, we will move in a changing table table into there. Amen. And you will have a private place with a, a little a privacy card that goes on the door handle that says breastfeeding in progress. So if you're not breastfeeding, you keep out, right? So it, it's a space for you. So, so just want you to know we're working on that. It's available for you to use now, but we're going to do more to it. So it's, it's more coming. So, so in this moment, Publius, getting back to the, the baby name, Publius, the chief official of the island, he welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it so happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. And as a result, we were showered with honors. And when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence today. Lord, I pray that you help me to get through this sermon quickly and efficiently, but help me to, to deliver it in such a way that we understand it, receive it in our heart, and take it and apply it. Father, I know that I can't do this without you, can't do this without your anointing, Lord. As your vessel up here, I pray that you would just use me and speak through me for what people need to hear and take home today in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. So, so Paul was on a prison ship in a tempest or a hurricane and washed up on shore in the island of Malta. So Paul was on his way trying to get out of prison. And he found himself in a hurricane, almost killed, smashed up against the rocks, and, and, and left on an island in Malta. Paul was an innocent man and yet found himself among prisoners. And he was subject to the same perils that they were facing. How, how many of you, maybe you've gone through a situation in your life and you looked around at other people who were going through a similar situation and you could clearly see why they were going through their mess. But you wondered, why Lord am I going through the same mess? Right? That, that you can look around you and you can be amongst folks who are dealing with the same situation. And you look over and you say, yep, I know why you're dealing with that situation. But Lord, why am I in the middle of this situation? Have you ever been somewhere and you wondered to yourself or you asked God, Lord, why am I even here? Why is this even happening to me? Why am I even dealing with this stuff in my life right now? Lord, I, I've served you. I've tried to do everything right. I've, Lord, I've, I've tried to make good decisions. I've based my life biblically. I've, I've tried to do what you've asked me to do. But here I am in a tough situation. And Lord, why am I even here right now? Right? And this is where Paul was in the moment. And maybe that's not where Paul was perspective, but that's where Paul was physically. Right? He was shipwrecked, tossed by the waves, clinging to parts of the ship, and tossed up on an island called Malta. He was tossed up on the island of malted milk balls. And Paul's desire was to go to Rome and appeal to Caesar and, and get out of prison and continue his ministry. That was just his desire. 
right? Lord, just help me to get to Rome. Help me to appeal my sentence. Help me to get released, Lord, so that I can continue to do the ministry that you've called me to be. Uh, But along the way, he finds himself in a shipwreck and a hurricane and washed up on an island, right? Have you ever prayed to God for one thing and then all of a sudden you found yourself shipwrecked in a hurricane and washed up on an island? Have you ever asked God, Lord, I need you to show up in this situation in my life, but then you found yourself and you're like, you had total expectancy, you had total faith. Lord, this is where you're taking me. Woo, thank you, Jesus. We're heading in a straight line, right where you, you've shown me the promised land, Lord, and I'm heading for it right now. Father, you told me there was a land full of milk and honey for me, and woo, I have been waiting for that. Lord, take me right to that milk and honey. But on the way, you found yourself getting smacked to the left, getting smacked to the right, falling off the edge, and, and it's just taking everything you can just to take your next step. This is where Paul was. Lord, just help me do my ministry. And the Lord's saying, okay, I will help you do your ministry. I'm going to put you in position where you have the right people that I need you to minister to at the right moment. I'm going to put you in such a position that you're going to have to minister to who I I desire for you to minister to before you get to minister to people you desire to minister to. Because how many of you know when you do anything for the Lord, you have have a set mindset of what that looks like, right? You've already, you already figured it out. You already know. Like, Lord, I, I, Lord, I know I'm going to do this and that. Lord, I'm going to run a church in Hawaii. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pastor a church in Hawaii, right? On the beach, Lord. You know, whatever. But you have, you have this thought in your process of, Lord, this is where you're taking me and this is what it's going to look like. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a place, in a situation, in a, in a mess that doesn't look anything like you thought it was going to look. Travis and Crystal, when you guys adopted those kids... Right? You, you had this idea of what it was going to look like. Right? You had this, whoo, it's going to be so, man, it's going to be so awesome. There's going to be some amazing things. You had this idea of what it was going to look like. And then all of a sudden, trials and tribulations and problems and stress and, and financial situation, all this stuff started popping up. Right? And you find yourself somewhere you didn't expect to be. But I'm telling you today, even if you find yourself somewhere you didn't expect to be and you didn't foresee it coming, that God still has a work for you to do in that process and in that moment, right? Just like Paul. Paul was caught in a hurricane, washed up on shore, but he has a work to do in the process, right? He has something to do. So he, so he found himself in Malta. He found himself in Malta. Some of you guys today might be in Malta right now. Like you just, as we read this and as we talk about this, you think, man, and you're looking at a situation in your life and you're like, that situation is Malta. That situation is Malta to me. This is, this is where I'm at. It's not what I thought I would be. It's not what I expected for myself. So I want to talk to you about how to make the most of your situation where you didn't expect to find yourself. I want to talk about how making the most of where you're at when you didn't expect to be there at all in the first place, right? So the Malta Islanders, here's the, here's the weird thing. The Malta Islanders are treating Paul and his shipmates with kindness, even though they're normally aggressive towards outsiders. They were, as a matter of fact, some, some people think that the Malta Islanders were actually cannibals. So, so maybe they were being nice to Paul and getting them all warmed up and fattened up with some meat because they was getting ready to do something different, right? Uh, but the Lord intervened. But in this moment, they were being kind and they built a fire and they brought them in and they warmed them up and they got them to safety, right? So, so in this moment, even though Paul was in a mess, God provided people to provide for Paul. 
And I'm telling you today that even when you find yourself in a mess, if you stay faithful to God, God will provide people in your situation to make sure you're taken care of. Right? If you're faithful to God, God will provide a way in your situation. God will place people around you. Because how many of you know, and I say this all the time, and some of you could probably repeat it, uh, but when the devil wants to do something in your life, he sends a person. But when God wants to do something in your life, he sends a person. Right? That's why we need discernment. On the people that are coming into our life. But God will never leave you without bringing somebody into your situation to help you. So, amen. Yeah, go ahead and give God some praise. Go ahead. So Paul is, is trying hard. Paul is working hard. Paul is just trying to survive. You ever watch any of those survivor shows, man? He's just trying to get by. Just trying to make it happen, right? And, and in trying to make it happen and trying to get by, he gets bit by a snake. He gets bit by a snake. And not just any snake, he is bit by a poisonous snake, right? The islanders knew it was poisonous, right? They lived there and if they were expecting him to die, that means that type of snake has killed people before. That means they've seen people drop dead from a snake bite like that. So they were watching and and Paul gets hit with a poisonous snake. So how do we deal with our situations when we find ourselves somewhere we didn't expect to be and then all of a sudden we get snake bit? I don't know how many of you have been snake bit in this room and maybe not physically but you've been snake bit emotionally. You've been snake bit spiritually. You've been snake bit in, in other situations. You tr- you're just trying to get through and all of a sudden a snake has latched itself to you. And you find yourself getting snake bit. So how do you, first of all I want to talk about how do you avoid snake bites? How do we avoid it? Well, if we're going to learn how to avoid snake bites, uh, you, we could just talk to people from West Virginia, Tim, but, but we don't have too many of us here. So, so we're going to go to the American Red Cross, right? And look at the American Red Cross and their page, what it says about how to, how to avoid a snake bite. Number one is this, stay away from snakes you see. <laughs> if you see a snake, stay away from it. Amen. Lord Jesus, how many of us would have avoided some trouble if we just stayed away from snakes we saw? Lord Jesus, how many of us would avoid a lot of, a lot of stress in our life if we just, when we saw somebody, we, yep, that's a snake. Yep, I'm going to stay away from it. But no, what we do is go, whoo, that's a snake, but I can change him. <laughs> whoo, that's a snake, but I can change her. Right? You know, that's a pretty snake. That's a, that's a handsome snake. That's a snake with abs right there. I can change a snake with abs, right? And, and we see snakes in our life, and, and I'm making fun relationally, but it's not always relationships. It's not always things like that. Sometimes it's friendships. Sometimes it's people you work with. Sometimes it's people that you decide, hey, you know, I can hang out with them a little bit, even though they used to do the same, they do the same stuff that I used to do before God, but I can hang out with, because you know what? I can rub off on them a little bit. Uh, my youth pastor, Pastor Rick Welsh, has used to say, that a pig will get you dirty before you get it clean. Right? So, so in a situation when you see a snake, uh, you need to avoid it. That's, that's, a, that's the red cross right there. Right? There was one particular time, I remember I was 12 years old, and I went to our hunting camp in northern West Virginia. And, and my dad, my, this, was, this, this was back in the day, guys. I was 12 years old. My dad put a rifle in my hand and said, go hunting. 
right? So I, so I crossed this busy highway from our, our camp, uh, started climbing over a barbed wire fence and there's some property. I have no idea who owned it. That's just what you did in West Virginia, right? And, and, and started walking and there was cows. And I don't know if you've ever seen cows in West Virginia, but cows in West Virginia have shorter legs on one side than the other. Not, not really, but that's how they walk. Because everything's a mountain, right? So I was on this mountain trail and I'm walking and everything went up on this side and I was down here and I'm just walking and all of a sudden I hear and and I look to my left and I am eyeball to eyeball with about a, a six and a half foot rattlesnake, right? And I looked into his eyes so closely that I knew that they were covered over uh, because it was the winter time and he was just trying to find somewhere to stay warm and he probably didn't see me, but he sensed me, right? So I'm looking this snake in the eyeballs. So what do you do when you see a snake? Run. I, listen, I had a shotgun on my back. But I got to tell you, a snake will paralyze me, man. I saw that thing. I couldn't even pull the trigger. I'm like, uh, you know, especially when I was 12. I'm like, I have no idea what to do. I looked him in the eye for what felt like about 15 minutes. But really, it was probably about three seconds. And then I just kept walking. <laughs> and I just, my, my heart was beating out of my chest, right? And I, I got about 10 spaces away. And I turned around and I just watched him. His big old self, man, just come on down, crossed the trail where I was and kept going. And I was like, whew. So the rest of my trip, how many of you know I had my eyes peeled a little closer, right? So, so when we see a snake, don't play with it. When you see a snake, don't pet it. When you see a snake, stay away from it, right? And, and of course, we're talking uh, spiritually and emotionally and dealing with things in our life. The next thing is this, avoid areas where snakes can hide, so if you see a snake, don't touch it. Secondly, avoid areas where snakes can hide. Areas of tall brush, tall grass, dark holes, crevices. Uh, what does that look like spiritually to us? Avoid areas where we can find secret sins, secret relationships, secret pleasures. Avoid areas where we can uh, find secret things or have secret things that, that aren't visible uh, out in the open. Because in those secret areas, you can get snake bed. All right, so we avoid those areas. Number three is this, stay alert and cautious at all times. Then always watch where you're going. I remember my dad taught me as a young man because we, we did a lot of fishing for bass here in Inverness. And we used to have to walk out through these weedy areas out to the lake. And my dad taught me as a young man, he said, now Steve, when you walk to the lake and you have to get through these areas, take your fishing pole and just hit it on the ground all the way there. And just tap the grass with it and make as much noise as you can before you get to the water. Because when a snake hears that, a snake's going to leave and your chances of you stepping on something and getting bit are slimmer, right? That you have to be alert and cautious at all times. My dad told me that story because of some true stories that happened to him. When he was young and had just moved to Emerness and it was in the 1960s, he went to a, to a lake and he was fishing and he decided he was going to take himself a little nap. And he leaned up against a tree and, and went to sleep. And when he woke up, he looked around and there were moccasins laying all around him. Like everywhere around him. All up against his body for body heat. Right? And he was laying there and all he could do was look. And he didn't know what to do. He had his fishing pole in his hand. That was the only thing he had. And they were covering all around him. My dad said he had the presence of mind enough to just lift the tip of his pole and tap it on the ground one time. And when he did, all those snakes just went into the water. <laughs> right? Crazy. But you got to stay alert and cautious at all times. Don't, don't fall asleep when you're in a cavern of snakes. 
Don't fall asleep when you're spending time with snakes. If you have to be around some snakes, stay alert and stay cautious. Don't fall asleep. Number four is wear some protective clothes. Wear some protective clothes. What kind of clothes as a Christian are we called to wear? There you go. The full armor of God. We need the helmet of salvation when we're dealing with situations where we might encounter snakes in the spiritual, right? We need the helmet of salvation because it protects your mind. How many of you know the first thing an enemy wants to attack in your life is your mind? The first, th- the first way an enemy can take you out. If he can get your mind, he can get the rest of you. Right? So we wear the helmet of salvation which protects your mind. Then we wear the breastplate of righteousness which covers your heart. Right? And then we wear the belt of truth because it protects you from self-deception. How many of you know self-deception can take you out? Right? You can get so deceived in yourself that you don't even know right from wrong. Self-deception can take you out. So the belt of truth uh, keeps you from self-deception. And how many of you know it also keeps your pants up? Right? How many of you watch American Idol? Remember about 10 years ago? Pants on the ground, pants on the ground. Looking like a fool with your pants on the ground, right? We, we wear the belt of truth to not look like a fool and keep our pants up, right? We want to make sure and keep our pants up. Now, D is this, feet shod with the gospel of peace. Shoes protect your feet and your feet keep you moving. You need your feet to keep moving and keep moving forward. And the shoes shod with the gospel of peace bring you peace but protect your feet. And then you have the shield of faith. The shield of faith blocks the bites. And sometimes when you're dealing with snake bites or you're dealing with situations over and over again, you can feel too weary to just lift your sword and too weary to just lift your shield. But you got to do it. You got to keep that shield up when you're dealing with situations. And lastly is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And the word of God chops off the head of the enemy. The word of God is the sword of the spirit which can chop off the head of the enemy. So snakes will always come out in your life when you're getting closer to a blessing. I want to say this. Because sometimes you feel like, man, there's families and people and and people that that Jessica and I have found ourselves counseling at a marriage restored event. And we tell them before they leave at the end of that event, listen, your, your, your blessing that you receive this weekend is going to be tested when you return home. Everything and every gain, every gain that you made this weekend is going to be tested when you return home. Because the enemy will always test you at the threshold of your blessing. The enemy will always try to stop you before you step across the threshold into the blessing that you have. So if you find yourself, if you're a Bible-believing Christian and you've got faith and you've been walking it out with God and doing what God has asked you to do and you have not had secret sin and you haven't been dealing with these issues but you find yourself in a hurricane... Can I tell you today that that hurricane was sent into your life by the enemy to try to stop you from moving forward and to try to stop you from moving into the blessing that God has for you? There there is a blessing on the other side if you just hang in there. There's a blessing on the other side if you don't allow it to push you back, but you just keep walking forward and you keep moving in there. So when enemies start slithering out from under the rocks trying to bite you, it's a sign that you're closer to the fire of God than you've ever been before. That you're closer to your true calling than you've ever been before. And in this case, Paul was, Paul was just working. Paul was just trying to get warm. Paul was trying to move into the life-givingness of a fire to try to get warm after being nearly drowned in a hurricane. And just trying to get warm, a snake latches onto his hand. So notice that the snake didn't just bite Paul. It fastened itself to Paul. 
See, sometimes you'll get a snake bite and the snake will retreat. And sometimes you'll get fastened by a snake. And what's the difference when a, when a, when a poisonous snake fastens itself to you instead of biting and retreating? When a snake bites and retreats, it only puts out so much venom. But when a poisonous snake latches itself to you, it's, it's trying to kill you. And sometimes in your situations, in the things that you're dealing with, when the enemy has latched out and latched onto you, he's tried to kill you. And when you're going through that kind of mess and that kind of situation, there's only one reason that the enemy wants to take you out because he knows what you're going to do on the other side of it. He knows who you're going to be for God. He knows the people that you're going to reach. He knows the, the impact that you're going to make in the kingdom. And he's trying to take you out before you ever get there. right? So we can't let the enemy do that. We can't let the enemy take us out. Bites are bad enough, but you can't let the snake fasten itself on you and stay there. You can't do it. So you're usually getting close to the fire when you get out of a storm. Amen. So we see Paul. Paul comes out of the storm and gets closer to the fire. When you've walked through a storm in your life, the next thing, the next step as a Christian is getting closer to the fire. What does the fire represent? The fire represents the fire of the Holy Spirit within you. The fire of God within you. That makes you burn brighter. Makes you stronger. Makes you tougher. Makes you, uh, makes you more anointed. Right? When we, when we step through a storm and we, we want to get closer to the fire. And the enemy will come out at the moment you try to get closer to the fire. If you find yourself trying to get closer to God and you keep hitting obstacles, that's the enemy. If you're like, Pastor Steve, man, I've, I've made a decision. I was going to read my Bible all week this week. Every day, I was going to take some time and read the Word. And then every day when you went to read the Word, something happened in your life. You got a crazy text. You got a crazy phone call. Your wife done started a fight with you. You know, whatever. Your kids done went crazy and started acting weird, right? Just whatever. But in the moment, right when you're getting ready to get close to God and keep your commitment, stay faithful to Him, something wacky happens in your life. Right? Trying, to, trying to move you back. And the, the more that you have to do for the kingdom, the bigger the snakes the enemy's going to send into your path. Amen? The more that you have to do for the kingdom, the more that God wants to see out of you, the bigger the enemies you're going to have to face. Right? But just know, the bigger the enemy that comes that way is because you have the bigness inside of you. Right? That God has called you to do bigger things. And, and if you have that faith and you know that if God has called you to do bigger things, then he'll protect you in the middle of that environment. He'll do what he needs to do to take care of you. Amen? So snakes represent people, snakes represent battles, and snakes represent past mistakes. So we have people that come into our lives that are sometimes snakes or represented by snakes. We have battles that come into our life that could be represented by snakes. And then sometimes, how many of you know the enemy loves to throw up your past? The enemy loves to say, you know what, these things that you did or this is who you used to be. And the enemy loves to throw that in your face to keep you from moving forward into who God has for you. So snakes can be all of these different things. So point number two today is this. People who are watching you, watch how you deal with snakes. People who are watching you. How many of you know people are always watching you? Paul had the islanders. They had an eye on Paul. They were watching Paul. They saw him get snake bit and they were waiting to see how he reacted to that snake bite. They were watching Paul. So the natives looked at him. They were watching and they said, he must be a murderer. This is what they didn't know is that he was. Paul used to be a murderer. Paul used to stone Christians. 
arrest Christians, drag them out of their homes, right? He was a murderer, but God, right? It doesn't matter what happened in your past. Once you have covered it in the blood, it's but God, right? It doesn't matter if the enemy tries to throw that stuff in your face. All you have to say is, yeah, that's who I used to be, but God. That's not who I am anymore. That's not how I walk anymore. That's not the things I do anymore. But God, right? That's, that's, how, we, that's how we respond to what the, the people are saying about us or what the enemy is bringing up about who we used to be. Is but God. I am not that person anymore. You can talk about that all you want, but I don't live there anymore. I live over here. I live apart from who I used to be. I live apart from my past. I live over here with God now and things are good, right? I, I, don't, I don't answer to those names anymore of who I used to be. I'm like Jacob and I maybe used to be Jacob and I used to be deceiver and I used to be liar and I used to be crooked, but over here my name is Israel and it's because I have contended with people and God and I have lived to tell about it, right? So I have a new name. And just like I have a new name, everybody in this place, once you accepted Christ, you have a new name in your life. Amen. You don't have to answer to who, what people used to call you. You don't have to answer to that stuff anymore, right? How many of you know people love to talk about why you got snake bit? When people find out you get snake bit, because sometimes you can't keep it undercover. And people love to talk about why you got snake bit. I, I heard this this week, and i got to give this to you. Some people, the only exercise they get is jumping to conclusions and running down other people. That should be on the screen. Help me out, Alex. Some people, the only exercise they get is jumping to conclusions and running down other people. If you got people in your life like that, stop paying attention to them. Stop letting it affect you. Stop responding to that mess. Stop responding to that drama. Stop, letting, stop answering to the names that they're calling. Begin to move in who God has for you, right? So people just love that. Uh, sometimes you get bit. How many of you know sometimes you get bit and it's not even your fault? Sometimes you find your, this, this wasn't even Paul's fault. Paul didn't ask to be in a hurricane. He didn't ask to be arrested. He didn't ask to be on a prisoner transport ship. He didn't ask to be washed up on the island of Malta with the natives. He didn't ask all that stuff. He got bit and, and you know what? Washed up in a hurricane, almost died. And what was Paul doing? He was serving. He had every right to just sit there by the fire and let somebody else build that fire. But Paul had a servant's heart. And even though he almost died, even though he went through a mess... Even though he was hurting and struggling, even though he was dealing with all of these false lies against him, even though he was dealing with all this stuff, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go get some logs. I'm going to walk into the woods and find some sticks. I'm going to help y'all build the fire. Right? He was serving. That's the heart of God. Right? Paul had the, pers the, the correct perspective in the heart of God that even though he was going through a struggle, he said, you know what? I'm going to serve. I'm going to build this fire. He had the right heart. And then Miss Lucille, he got snake bit. See, sometimes as, as, as believers and as Christians and as followers of, of the gospel and followers of Jesus, sometimes even when you're doing the right thing, you can get snake bit. It happens. Snake bites even happen in church. I don't know if you knew that. Sometimes you can get snake bit at church. Right? Because we all, we're all people. People get in their flesh. When people get in their flesh, they can hurt you. 
So sometimes even in church, you can get snake bit. But, but let me tell you this. The best place to be to get snake bit is in a hospital. If you're already at the hospital when you get snake bit, that's the best possible place you can be. So if you're in church and somebody bites you and nips you, the best place you can be is right here in the hospital. Amen. Not somewhere else, not running out, not running away, but in the hospital so that God can go, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and put you up on this table. I'm going to go ahead and take care of this. And I, I may let you get bit, but I'm not going to let you die. And why, then why God, why God, why'd you let me get bit? You'll see. He has purpose in everything. Purpose in everything. But we are responsible to respond to him so that we live long enough so that we can see that purpose come to, come to faith, right? So we respond to God and what he has for us, right? So, so, so in this moment, Paul was doing the right thing and still got bit. So what, what they didn't know was that Paul wasn't in this situation because of what had happened in his past. You had all these islanders looking at Paul going, he must have been a murderer. He must have been, he must have been evil. Because justice will not let him live. He must have been evil, right? They didn't know that Paul was in this situation, not because of what had happened in his past, but he was here because of what was God was getting ready to do in the future. They didn't know that he was there for them. See, sometimes people will bite you when you're trying to help them. Sometimes if you're helping people, they'll bite you, right? So in this moment, Paul gets snake bit and he gets judged for getting snake bit. And then a few minutes later, we see him just healing everybody on the island. We see everybody on the island starting to get healed. Everybody that was sick, right? Some of those same people, I, I would imagine, are the same people who was judging, who were judging Paul, right? So if you hang in there long enough, let's see what, what you walk through. And when you walk through your Eurocladon, when you walk through your storm, and then you get up close to the fire and you get snake bit, but you say, I've been through a storm. I've been arrested. I've been on a prisoner transport ship. I'm, I'm getting close to the fire and a snake bit me. But you know, I didn't come this far to lay down and quit. If I've been through all that, there's got to be something amazing on the other side of this door. Right? And that's where Paul was. Something amazing was on the other side of this door. I didn't come this far to quit. Some of y'all need to proclaim that today. Some of y'all need to get that in your spirit. I didn't come this far to quit. If I've been through all of that, what does God have for me on the other side of this door? What does God have for me on the, on the, and after, after I take 10 more steps? Right? I didn't come this far to quit. I did not come this far to quit, right? So, so we see this, that Paul was in this situation because of what he was going to do for the people on the island. Paul wasn't there to pay a price. He was there to bring relief. It looked like Paul was there to pay a price, but he wasn't. He was there to bring relief to the same people who were judging him. So when people talk about you, they're basing their observation on what they see in the physical, but they have no idea what's going on in the spiritual. No idea. They just, they judge you based on what they see in the physical. They have no idea the battles that are going on in the spiritual around you. They have no idea what walls and what things you are about to conquer with God's help in the future. What ministry and what things you're going to step into to make a difference in people's lives. They have no idea what's going on in the spiritual. They're just judging you right there in the physical. Right? No idea. But we see Paul in this moment. Uh, uh, this is what Paul does. When you get a snake bite, just do what Paul and Taylor Swift did and shake it off, shake it off. 
Just practice with me for a moment. Shake it off. Shake it off. If you get snake and a snake's latched to your arm, what do you do? Shake it off. Shake it off. Right? Because how many of you know, haters going to hate, hate, hate. Players going to play. Heartbreaker's going to break. But I'm just going to shake it off. Shake it off. See, Taylor got her song from Paul, and she didn't even know that. Half the things the world tries to pass off as new are in the Bible. They're already there. Half the things therapists do in therapy sessions, the Bible already talked about and already put into place. It's funny how God, God's the best therapist there ever was, right? I, I like therapy. I love therapy. But I'm telling you, God's the best therapist there ever was. And it's all right there in the Word of God if we just put it in place, right? So, so some of y'all are still walking around today, walking wounded, kind of like we did last week. But you're wounded from a snake bite. And you're still allowing those snakes to be attached to you, right? You're still allowing it to stay attached to you. Point number three this morning is this. God may not stop the bite, but he will stop the bite from killing you. God may not stop the bite, but he will stop the bite from killing you. Snake bites have symptoms that are designed to shut down your activity. So we're going to go back to American Red Cross for a moment and look at these symptoms of a snake bite. Here's the first one. Blurred vision. How do I know, Pastor Steve, if I'm snake bit this morning? We're talking spiritually and emotionally. You have blurred vision. You can't tell the difference between an enemy and a friend. Somebody come to help you and you try to bite them because you think they're the enemy. You have blurred vision. You can't tell the difference right now. You can't see right. Number two, you have vertigo. You lose track of your direction and position. Lose track of your position and who you are in Christ. You lose track of your position of where you're at in the kingdom. You lose track of your position and what your calling is on your life. You lose track of your position and who God has called you to be as a husband, a wife, a mom, or a dad. You lose track in your position, right? Because you have vertigo, because you've been snake bed, right? You got to recognize it when you've been snake bed. Number three is this paralysis. So it starts with blurred vision, it moves to vertigo, and then ends up with paralysis. Paralysis will shut down your work. Paralysis will shut down your calling. Paralysis will shut down your service to the kingdom. Paralysis will shut down what God has called you to do. Right? That's why when we've been snake bit, we got to get it healed quick. You can't let it sit there attached to you. you got to shake it off and get your healing quick. So that you can continue to move what God has called, has called you to do. So Paul, after he was bid, laid hands on and prayed for healing for Publius's father. How many moms we got going to name their baby Publius? A couple. All right. Next baby, Publius. I'm gonna, we're going to dedicate Publius right here. Then the rest of the island who had diseases came and were healed. Now, we said the same people who got healed later were probably some of the same people that were judging Paul in the moment. But can I tell you this? The same arm that Paul had a snake attached to a few hours earlier is the same arm attached to the hand that he was laying on Publius' father when Publius' father was getting healed. If you don't let the snake bite take you out, you'll be able to utilize that portion of your body to provide healing and work and further the kingdom of God. And that's where Paul was in this moment, right? He used that same hand. So God may just use your shipwreck on Malta to bring healing to people if you allow him to.
He may just use it. Today, we started this message. How many of you are in Malta right now? And, and, and I didn't say raise your hand, but some of you are probably thinking, man, I'm in Malta right now. I'm shipwrecked right now. I'm dealing with it. God may use your shipwreck on Malta to bring healing to people who need it. He may just do that. When you're bit, this is what you do. We've determined how to stay away from getting bit. We've determined what it looks like when you're bit. When you're bit, this is what you do. Move beyond the snake's striking distance. Don't stay in bed with the same snake that bit you. Move beyond the striking distance of the snake. Remember, that could be a situation. That could be a past sin. Could be a past issue in your life. Doesn't have to be a person. But you got to move away from the striking distance of the snake. Number two, remain still and calm. This is what American Red Cross site says. Remain still and calm. This is what Pastor Steve says. The Bible says, have peace in your situation. Don't panic. Have peace. Red Cross says this, position your body to keep the bite below your heart level. Don't let that get to your heart. It says, don't use a tourniquet. Because tourniquet stops the blood flow. I never would have thought that. If I would have thought about it, it got bit in the woods, I probably would have used my belt and tried to use a tourniquet. It says, do not do that because it's important that your body continues to have blood flow. But it says, do this. If you get bit in your hand, keep your hand below your heart. Because when that poison gets to your heart is when all of those symptoms start to occur in your body. So you can't let a snake bite that happened in your life take you out in your heart. You've got to keep your heart soft. You've got to keep your heart pliable. You've got to keep your heart available to God. And if you allow that snake bite to take out your heart, then it stops and starts. you start doing blurred vision. You start getting vertigo. You start getting paralysis. These are the things that we have to do. So blood flow is so important. And as I was writing the sermon, I was thinking about this old song. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing. Oops, sorry. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How is the flow? That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So, when you find yourself snake bed, let the blood flow. Let the blood of Christ cover you so that your heart doesn't get hard. Your vision doesn't get blurred. You don't get paralyzed. You don't lose your positioning in the kingdom and you can keep moving forward and God will protect you in the moment. Amen. So the big idea today is this. There are moments when God has called you to do something that's so much bigger than you. Here's the, here's the problem church. In Americanized Christianity, we make it all about us, right? There's a lot of awesome things about the American church. A lot of awesome things, but there's some things we need to change.
and Americanized Christianity makes it all about me. So that when we get snake bit or we get hurt, we just lose track and lose sight of everything God has asked us to do. Right? It's all about me. But there's moments that God has called you to do something that's so much bigger than you. And in those moments, it requires that you completely depend on him. Last week at the end of Walking Wounded, we talked about how Paul went to God and said, Lord, and he asked three times, just take this away from me. Three times he asked God, just take this away from me. And God said what? I am sufficient. So if you're bit, if you're wounded, if you're hurting, make the decision today that that ain't going to take you out. That's not going to stop you. I'm going to continue doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And in walking it out, I'm going to find my healing. Amen? Stand with me this morning. I just want to pray over you. We've had some awesome times at the altar throughout this course of the, of the nine parts of the series. And we have seen some amazing things and we've seen healings. And uh, I've heard testimonies after testimonies uh, after service and through the week of what God has done during this series. And man, it is so special. God is, God is incredible. I had the opportunity last night to preach at The Path, which is a homeless shelter here in Citrus County. And I had a, a word in my heart and, that I was going to bring. And I was studying that word and getting it ready. And it was probably three hours before I was supposed to go. And then all of a sudden, um, God said in my spirit, no, you're not going to preach that. I'm like, God, I'm tired. I've been... We've been remodeling offices, you know, here at the church. And then I've, I've been laying tile at home. And I'm not a tile layer, I found out, you know. I, like, I got it done, but I was hurting. And the last thing I wanted to do was go preach because my knees were hurting. Like, I, I was sitting in my, my chair in the living room going, oh, Lord. And Jessica's like, just, just call them and have somebody fill in for you, honey. You've been, you've been working so hard. Like, just have somebody else do it. And I'm like, no, no I made a commitment. I'm going to go do it. And then as I went to go preach last night, even with my knees hurting, the Lord said, preach walking wounded from last Sunday. So I went in and preached to, to folks at the path about walking wounded. And I know God did some amazing things in their minds and hearts. And can I tell you that by the end of preaching, my knees didn't hurt anymore. <laughs> Sometimes when you're wounded, you're snake bit, you continue to walk it out anyway. Man, continue to walk it out. Take take care. Take care. Keep keep the wound below your heart. You you get snake bit. You keep that below your heart, and you keep your heart soft and open to God. And you take care, but you continue to walk it out. Amen. Would you close your eyes and and bow your heads for me today? Is there anybody in this place today that you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And throughout this message and throughout worship and throughout the time that we've been together, you just, you felt a tug at your heart. You felt the Holy Spirit calling on you. If that's you in this place and you say, Pastor Steve, today, I want to make that decision. I'm going to, I'm going to change my outlook. I'm going to change my perspective. I'm going to start depending on Christ and depending on God. I want what he says I can have. If that's you in this place, would you just lift your hand and we're, we're all going to pray with you together. I see that hand. 
I see that hand. Is there anybody else? I see those hands. Thank you. Church, let's, let's pray this prayer together. And if you're in here and maybe you've been far from God, as you say this prayer, make it your commitment today to draw near to Christ because he hasn't moved. We move, but he hasn't. So just make it your prayer today as well. Let's pray over those six that raise their hands. Father, I love you. I choose you. I thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I trust you that you sent your son to die on a cross for me. I receive that today. Lord, let me have all that you want for me. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. God is so good. Thank you. So I'm going to pray to dismiss. We're not going to do an altar service today. I feel like, but this week, if you've been identifying with those symptoms of being snake bit, this is what I want you to do. Spend time with God. Get by yourself. Ask God to make sure that your heart is soft and pliable and listen to his instructions on what he wants you to do. Okay. Maybe journal. Okay. If you take a sheet of paper, if you've never done it before, just take a sheet of paper and a pen as you go before God and pray. And then after you pray, listen, part of praying is shutting up. You don't have to speak the whole time. Right. Prayer is a conversation between you and God. That means you speak, he speaks. So go before God, pray, get all your petitions out and then be quiet and listen. And when you hear that still small voice, speak back, write it down on some paper. Write it down, put it in your Bible, put it on your nightstand, and just continue to do what God asks you to do. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal. Before I do, we had a volunteer a special dinner coming up this coming Friday at the end of the week. We are going to have to postpone that because of some circumstances. Uh, so we're, it was Father's Day weekend anyway, so I knew it was going to be busy. Uh, we're going to move that out. So those of you who volunteer in any, any part in the church, you're invited, but we're going to move the date, and we'll give you that new date shortly, okay? All right. Other thing, if you feel like today, uh, there was a lot of you that raised your hand for salvation today. If you want to get baptized, that's your next public step. And if you have any questions about that, call the office. Talk to Pastor Eddie. Talk to Pastor Brad. Talk to me. And, uh, and let's, let's talk to you about that, okay? That's your next public step of your salvation process. So there's a sign up in the lobby for you to do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for showing up today. Father, I thank you for, for being there for us wherever we need you. Lord, I pray over those who are snake bit today that their hearts would not get hard, Lord, but that they would seek you before it ever gets to that place. Lord, those who are dragging around snakes that are latched to their body today, I declare in the mighty name of Jesus that those snakes fall off right now in Jesus' name. We cast those things off, Lord. Father, you have given us the power to trample on snakes and scorpions, Lord. And we, we claim that power and we walk in it today in Jesus' mighty name. And Father, we just ask for, for wholeness as we move forward. Lord, we know that in your scripture it's too much to ask never to get wounded. Because Lord, even you were wounded. But Father, we ask that when we do get wounded and when we do get bit, that we would have the presence of mind to shake it off, to seek you and to continue walking in what you've called us to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, 
Amen. God bless you guys. We will see you Wednesday or next week.